Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Film Club Podcast, where every week we pick a movie to talk about and try our best to stay on topic. And this week... Oh boy, did you pick a movie this week. I did. We are continuing on with our franchise month. We're talking about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre franchise, and today we're talking about its illustrious sequel... That's it's like what 10 years later or 13 years later uh 14 years later we're we're talking about texas chainsaw massacre 2 oh boy yeah this movie is released in 1986 it's described as a black comedy slasher film it's directed by the original director toby hooper but it's not written by him it's written by lm kit carson and yeah, this movie's considered a critical and audience bomb. Like, not many people like this movie. It kind of became a cult classic a decade later. Yeah. But... As they do. You know, your thoughts. <laughs> okay, okay. I'm still trying to figure out my thoughts after watching this last night. Because, yeah, I mean... I've never seen it before. Mm. I knew of it because of the poster where they're, you know, they're memeing on The Breakfast Club. Yeah, it's, um, it is literally a parody of The Breakfast Club opening with Leatherface doing the whole, you know, fist bump and everything. Yeah, so I wasn't sure what to expect, and then the movie just kept going and going, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I don't know. I just don't know. You don't, you don't know. I don't. <laughs> We've got, you know, Leatherface falling in love. We have... Dennis Hopper. We have Dennis Hopper. We have uh, Drayton Sawyer, the cook, making chili out of people and willing the, and winning the Chili Con Carnival. We have Chop Top. Chop Top. Who's creepy, yeah. Yeah. And um, this is a weird movie. Very weird movie. Yeah, because... Not only is it just, like, weird on premise, it's weird on the fact it's even made, right? Yeah. Because it's made a decade plus from the original film, and usually, at least, you know, memory serves, for most of these slasher franchises, if there's a sequel to them, there's usually a lot in quick succession. Yeah, it's not a decade plus later. Yeah. And then it's very different from the first movie. Oh, this is so much different. Uh, I mean, with... Um, Friday the 13th, they're kind of the same film for a lot of them. Yeah. And they were made within, like, a year or two from each other for, like, a decade. Yeah. Narmer and Elm Street's kind of the same way, and they kind of devolved into comedy, like, gradually as they went on. Friday the 13th did it, too. Yeah. And with this, whatever the fuck it is, it just goes straight into slapstick, like, with this sequel. Made me question Chili, and I love Chili. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. As soon as I saw him at the contest, I was like, no, don't ruin chili for me, please. Boo, it's all in the meat. They don't oh. skimp on the meat. It's always prime meats. But yeah, so I guess to give everybody the lowdown as to what this movie is about, it is... It's gonna be something. Yeah, that'd be. So, the movie is following Stretch, the... DJ broadcaster for the shock jock for this podunk little radio station in northern Texas. Yep. And through happenstance, she overhears the grisly murder of two raging jackasses as they're killed by Leatherface and his 
evil family. And this brings in the investigative powers of Dennis Hopper, Lefty, who is a Texas marshal or Texas sheriff? Investigator somebody. He's, he's Dennis Hopper with the cowboy hat, so he must be important. Yeah. And he is investigating this as he is related to Sally and... Franklin. Franklin from the first film, and he assumes the same people who killed them killed these two jackasses. And Stretch, in an attempt to draw out the killers, I think is the purpose, plays Mm -hmm. the recording of their death live on air. Because the jackasses that are killed in the beginning of the movie have been calling Stretch over and over at a radio station, and because it's a radio station, all calls get recorded, and they just so happen to record... Their own murder. Yes. And that does attract the illustrious Sawyer family. That's the the cook, Chop Top, and Leatherface. And, and the hitchhiker. And the hitchhiker as a little, little puppet. And they kidnap Stretch, and Lefty comes in to save the day, and it culminates in the third greatest chainsaw battle in cinema history, and ends on the Matterhorn. Yeah. I was kind of confused. Yes. And you might be thinking, Dean, you're leaving something out. I'm, I'm not. No, that's pretty much the movie. Yeah. This movie was written by a third grader, right? It feels like it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, <laughs> Just I, like... I don't want to be mean, but oh, like breaking it down from top to bottom, because it opens with these, these assholes, Buzz and Rick, as they're racing towards the Texas-Oklahoma football game, and... Mm. One of them is is shooting his gun out the window. They're both drinking and raising hell. And they keep calling into this radio station. And I don't I don't understand why Stretch can't hang up. Because she wants to hang up on them. But but they can't. I guess it makes for good radio, but at the same time they're like, you know, show us your boobs. And it's like, dude, you're calling a radio station. How are you gonna see boobs? This is the eighties. There's no, you know, we... FaceTime. Oh, hey, in the 80s, they wanted to see boobs all over the phone, and we figured that technology out. You know, the human mind can achieve great things when boobs are involved. I know, the calculator trick, I know. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, and then you have, like, Dennis Hopper showing up, and I have no idea Dennis Hopper's role in this. Like, like, I, like I understand his role role, but like... He's supposed to, like, oh, it's Dennis Hopper, the marquee name above the title. So yeah. he's supposed to, like, give some gravitas to the to the movie, right? You know, give it a little bit of, little bit of pizzazz or, like, name grand. But, I mean, it's hard to, hard to give it gravitas when he's running around through their lair and just, you know, cutting down supports. And he's, like, you know, quoting the Bible and calling everyone brother and sister. And, and that's contrasted to the first half of the movie. Because the first half of the movie, he doesn't want to be there. No. Like, he is actively, like... You can tell he's either reading cue cards or he is just so mm-hmm. not interested with the movie that's going on around him. And then the last half, he is on his best coke binge. He's got, you know, two chainsaws in each hand. He's jumping around. He's being a, an action hero. It's just like, what is happening? Also, when he buys the chainsaws. Yeah. Which, I mean, I mean it's a homage to Good and the Bad and the Ugly. That's what that sequence is. But, like, in The Good and the Bad and the Ugly, have you seen it? I haven't. I've loaned, I loaned you that movie like a month ago. Oh, man. It's been longer than a month, and I know. I'll get to it eventually. 
I just gotta stop loaning you things in quick succession. That's what I gotta stop doing. It'd be like that. So, in Good and the Bad and the Ugly, Tuco comes in from this, like, long stay in the desert, and he needs to go catch Blondie. That's Clint Eastwood's character. Mm -hmm. Goes into the gun shop, and he's like, you know, looking at all the guns. He builds his own weapon. You know, he's getting the, the arsenal ready. And he goes and does the, the the shooting practice, right? And that's exactly what Dennis Hopper's doing here, except with chainsaws. That kind of sounds like, you know, what you do at Disneyland when you go to Galaxy's Edge and you build your own lightsaber. Was that what he was doing in The Good and the Bad the Ugly? Yes, actually. He built his own lightsaber. That's awesome. Yeah, also, he had a little Yoda there. And that little Yoda was, like, help, like walking him through it. I he, love he, Yoda he and Baby him a Yoda. Jedi Knight after. You need to watch Good and Bad and the Ugly. I think I have to now. It, it is the precursor to Star Wars. Wow. I'm just throwing it out there. Okay, I might have to give it a watch. It, it's fantastic. Masterpiece, even. Okay. But, yeah, we see him getting two chainsaws, just walking out of the shop. Like, these only weigh, like, five pounds each. I can do this. And I'm just like, that's a chainsaw. Chainsaws aren't, aren't actually that heavy. Okay, at least the chainsaws I've had to use at, like, work, which are, I guess, electric ones. So I don't know about the gas-powered ones that these are supposed to be. But didn't you say that the actor that plays Leatherface in this movie couldn't lift the chainsaw over his head? Oh, yes. So... <laughs> So everyone out there, just to ruin everybody's um, fantasy. So Bill Johnson, he played Leatherface. That he's the actor who was credited with the role and all that. He only has about two minutes of actual screen time used in the final film, because for some reason I don't know if he like had an injury or if it was like an Arnold in Conan situation where he just legitimately couldn't lift the chainsaw over his head. Because the stunt double or the stunt coordinator was Leatherface every time he had to lift the chainsaw over his head. Which is, like, every time he's on screen? Pretty much. As opposed to, like, maybe two close-ups, I think? Perhaps. You I know. mean... I mean, there's a lot of Leatherface in this movie. Way it's more a, than the first one. Way more than the first. It took us a while to actually get to them. Mm-hmm. Because we briefly see them during the first murder on the bridge with two jackasses. Yes. And then they're gone again. Yeah, which, okay. I, I think this is going to just have to do, we have to draw comparisons to the first one. Yeah. Because it's the same director, it's a different writer, but, you know, Dobie Hooper, he had already done, like, Poltergeist at this point, I believe. It, it's not the same Leatherface. It's not the same Leatherface. They try to get Gunnar Hansen, but... He didn't want to do it, or they wouldn't pay him enough. Mm -hmm. I, The story changes depending on who you ask. Yeah. But this movie, it, it feels so much like a generic slasher that Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the first one, influenced. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't feel like an original product at all. No. <sighs> if it's night and day how different these two films are. Mm -hmm. And let alone how the character of Leatherface is because that's who we get basically as our star of the movie because we have him in the first film. We have him in this one. We have Cook too, but Cook, we don't get too much of Cook in the first film. Yeah. Um, the Hitchhiker, he's dead, so we, you know. Yeah, he's just like a puppet. A puppet. Yeah. The Chop Top's new. Chop Top, uh, okay. Chop Top has gained this like, like love in the fandom. Mm -hmm. Um, because I guess he is, like, the defining characteristic or character of Chainsaw Massacre 2. Yeah. 
do you like Chop Top? Uh, I think he's creepy. And I, and that, I, you know, would give that as a compliment to the actor that plays him because mm-hmm. that's who he's supposed to be. Especially when, uh, what is it, Stretch? Yeah. When she comes out of her booth at the radio station and she comes down and he's just sitting there on the couch and it's like, yeah, I'd be terrified to come, you know, encounter a stranger at work like that. But then to see him act out like this, like, this is like every horror movie that you've seen where, you know, it's just the, the crazy guy that's probably going to kidnap me and kill me. Well, and that's the thing, because that happens pretty early in the movie. Yeah. Actually, I don't even know if it's early. It might be the midway point, actually. Like maybe the 30 minute mark? Eh, maybe. It's not a long movie. No, no. I think the movie's... Actually, the movie's 101 minutes, but that seems... Actually, that seems bloated, really. I'll say this, you know, the movie's pretty fast. It feels like it feels like a really tight 90. Yeah. But that's besides the point. But that happens pretty early on where Stretch comes out and she sees Chop Top. And it is, it's the hitchhiker scene. Yeah. Except they're in this radio station and it's a one-on-one. It's not one-on-five. Yeah. And Chop Top seems so out there. Mm-hmm. And Stretch, like, she, I think, does Stretch assume he's just a weird fan? Or does she think he's, like... She knows she's in danger. You could see it on her face where it's like, oh, you want a tour? Like, okay, you know, here's the lamp. Um, Here's the cue cards. Here's this. Here's that. There's the exit. Go. So it's like, it's not even she's trying to entertain this. It's just like, okay, I'm going to show you a couple of things and I'm going to remind you the exit's right there. Mm-hmm. I'm going to lock you out as soon as... You you clear that threshold. Which she doesn't. Yeah. Well, the other thing is he's also picking at this thing yeah. in his in, a, in his wig, right? And yeah. well, I it's mean, so off-putting. Well, it's not even picking. It's uh, He keeps lighting the end of a wire hanger and keeps scratching his scalp. And it's just like... Oh, God, what is that? Until we finally see the what it is. The exposed metal plate in his skull. And it's his scalp that's itching from, you know, being exposed because it's an open wound, basically. Mm-hmm. Just on metal. Also, th- this has one of the huge, good, solid jump scares in the movie. Oh, absolutely. Did you jump? I jumped a little bit, yeah. But I, I thought... <laughs> you were like... You tell me all the time you're immune to jump scares. Nothing gets no, you to jump. No, they have to be really good and... You know, unpredictable. And I knew. I'm like, okay, you have this big. You know, not, it's not an empty room because it's what was it there? Like, um, it's like the it's um, um like the, the front room of their like radio station. Well, no, the the room that was completely pitch black. It was like their storage room or their record room. Yeah, it was the record room. That's so what it was. she keeps standing in this doorway, and I'm like, I know Leatherface is gonna pop out of this door. I'm like, I know it's gonna happen, and I'm like. I think after a while, my brain was kind of like, okay, I'm tired of waiting. Let me just focus on the dialogue between these two characters. Because Bill Mosley's fucking going for it. Oh, yeah, he's going. But then it finally happens, and I'm like, that's so good. That's like, um, that's Horror Nights, uh, Scary Farm, when someone just pops out of nowhere. It's like, you know it's going to happen. And then it finally hits, and it's just like, shit. Like, he's got the the chainsaw. Like, that's a a great jump scare. Yeah, and I think that's the thing about the movie, is there's parts in it that are legitimately good. Yeah. Like, that, I think, is a legitimately good sequence. Mm-hmm. The introduction of Chop Top, his monologue, his his their dialogue, and then the jump scare with Leatherface. Yeah. I'm like, oh. That's horror. That was that was good. That was scary. Mm-hmm. Like, this guy is so unhinged, and it's it feels like the Hitchhiker sequence, but it's got a little bit of a new twist to it. 
And then it's wasted because... Yeah, because then we get this... Is uh, Leatherface jerking it in this movie? Yeah, this like tantric rhythmic dance that he does with the chainsaw. And he... Because, you know, Leatherface jumps out. He whacks Chop Top in his metal plate. And ruins his wig. Ruins his Sonny Bono wig. And he's like, nom flashback, nom flashback. <laughs> as... As Leatherface chases Stretch into the into like the storage room, the kitchen. It must have been a storage room, even though there's a big vat of ice with big reds cooling on it. And I was like, "You just ruined all those big red colas. Why, God? Why?" You love soda. It happens. I do. You know, <laughs> that's uh, what is it? That's Texas's number two selling cola, right behind Dr Pepper. How do you know this? Why do you know this? Because I got Texas in my blood, and I love me some Dr. Pepper. And, and Big Red is good, too. Weirdos. Weirdos. But yeah, he goes about, you know, destroying the, uh, the storage room. She's, you know, actually talking to him, or she's telling him, you know, no good, and he's, like, understanding her. Which, it kind of is weird, because this Leatherface, because it's not, it is not the Gunner Hansen no. Leatherface. The Gunner Hansen Leatherface was very scared. Yeah. He was very unnerved by people he didn't know that was his family. Mm-hmm. You get a sense that in the first film, he doesn't really understand what he's doing. He just reacts. Yeah, he's just reacting. He's just scared and he's, you know, killing mm-hmm. people because he's scared. They're or, in his home. They're in his home. Or But in this one, it's way more slasher because he's, He's really aggressive, and then he's, you know, attacking things. And also, he's got kind of a thing for Stretch in this in this scene. And that's when we get, you know, the uh, the air thrusting with the chainsaw. The thing he's doing with his hand where is questionable. It's questionable, and then, you know, he really gets that chainsaw very, very close to an area that you would not want that chainsaw to be. Right, right, somewhere between some legs and, uh, you know, in in them short shorts, it's not leaving much to the imagination. I mean, my, my hands were balled up because I was just like, oh, God. Were, like, you, were you thinking, is is this the moment? Is is the movie going this far? Is he uh, going to turn the chainsaw on? I'm like, this is 80s horror, so they might go there. <laughs> Luckily, they don't. And I was just like, oh, thank God. I'm like... <laughs> that, again, another thing about the movie where it is... So ungodly goofy because, you know, Leatherface is there and he's, he is obviously, you know, trying to get his rocks off, right? And you're like, this is so fucking weird. I'm like, this is not Leatherface from the original film. Not even. This is, uh. Not even close. This is Looney Tunes. Yes, exactly. Uh, But like that chainsaw right where it is and, you know, you as a, as a woman, I assume. Do not want that there, no. Yeah, and, you know, it's still like uncomfortable. Yeah. But I feel it's a different kind of uncomfortable than the first movie. Yeah. And so Leatherface is like, I like you, girl. And then leaves her? Well, first he destroys the booth. Mm -hmm. Because he goes about destroying the storage area that they're in first. And then the booth. And you could hear Chop Top, you know, kill her good. You got her. And he's just like, you know, yeah, you know, I got her. This way, you know, he spares her, which is like, that's not Leatherface. He's going to spare somebody? It's so, it's so weird. It it's like, feels I, like a totally different franchise in a that, way, or different character. I feel like at the end of Texas Chainsaw, you know, once Sally makes her escape and that trucker, he's still running. I feel like Leatherface could have kept going after the trucker, and we just didn't see that kill happen off screen. See, that's another thing, because 
I mean, we kind of skipped over it, but this movie also has that opening yeah. narration by I think I think it is by John Larroquette again. It sounded like it. Yeah, but they're doing the whole um, uh, reading and all that stuff, and it's it's been fourteen years since the uh, supposed Texas Chainsaw Massacre. No bodies were found. Disappeared in the annals of American history. Some say it never happened at all, and it's obviously at- trying to just wash away why these people aren't in prison. Yeah, and it adds in there, that, but there have been attacks with a chainsaw over these past 14 years, but the police and different counties, they don't want to disclose that this is happening because everyone's going to panic in the state of Texas. So it's like, yeah, we'll just keep it under wraps. But meanwhile, they've still been continuing every day for the past 14 years. Yeah, and it it's kind it's weird because with that opening, it's been 14 years. So we can imply a few things because it says Sally's in a mental institution, right? Yeah, it says that she told the story once she was, you know, taken to police or whatever, and then she went catatonic. So I'm like, so she's still in a catatonic state? Has she come out of it? We don't know. Yeah, but we we can tell that there's at least okay. So there's four missing persons on the books, mm-hmm. and this trucker died. I'm yeah. assuming, and. The Sawyer family just kind of, like, up and moved. Yeah, because they said that they went and there was nobody at the house, so they've just been on the road, and we see them in their RV. But I'm like, so did Leatherface just become a whole different person in the intervening times? Because he he also doesn't really... He doesn't even look, like, the same as the first film. No, he looks a lot shorter. Yeah. He's not this big, you know, in stature guy. Even with Stretch, he looks like... About her height. Uh, yeah, they're, they're very even compared to the first movie where he was just, like, towering over people. Yeah, and I mean, I don't want to sound, you know, mean to the actor, um, Bill Johnson. Because mm-hmm. I'm assuming he's a good actor. He mm-hmm. This is probably his, like, his first big break or whatnot. Mm-hmm. But it's really weird going from Gunnar Hansen to Bill Johnson, and you see that they're both just vastly different in appearance. Yeah. Well, I guess it's probably the stunt coordinator who... We see most of the movie except for close-ups. So it's like, did they not have to be in the three-inch heels like Gunnar Hansen did? Did they not pack on like a like a bodysuit to make like them just bigger, more bulkier? Yeah, and it comes up a lot in this scene when he's talking to to Bill Mosley, mm-hmm. who who plays Chop Top. It looks like Chop Top's taller than yeah, him. Yeah, he looks a lot smaller than him. Yeah, which is weird. I know. I I kept picking up on those kind of odd little little details of the movie and it was just like well that doesn't look right but i mean we've seen a lot of movies where we see the sequel and it's just like did they forget everything that happened in the first movie and oh you mean the halloween franchise yeah what is that like there's technically four reboots in the series pretty much every other film has a different mask i mean let alone the second film has a different mask yeah also there's like like h2o doesn't acknowledge two through seven and then like four doesn't acknowledge like two but then there's also like resurrection that doesn't acknowledge like half of them and then like five four five and six are a whole different thing and then we have the new franchise where they completely cut out two through whatever to get to the 2018 movie but they only cut out but they all but they do count like the first 15 minutes of two but they don't include any of the rest of it yeah which is weird. The Halloween franchise actually is, like, some dog shit continuity. Like, that is, like, a weird way to keep track of a film. 
like Friday the 13th is a, is a pretty straight line. Yeah. It just gets weird when it goes into space, but it's a straight line in terms of continuity. Yeah, Halloween I, I, jump starts a bunch of times. I, the only franchise I could think that more or less is the same character look wise is Scream because the costume looks the same in each film. Yeah. It's not like in Halloween it changes, Jason it changes. Obviously Jason changes because something different happens to him. You know, he's hit by lightning, he's drowned, you know, sorts of different things affect the mask, his costuming. This yeah. film, he just looks a lot shorter. The mask is a lot different. The costume looks like a, the costume looks like a Halloween costume. Yeah, it doesn't look, which is weird because this is a Tom Savini um, effects film. And it, you know, you could see the Tom Savini effects, like when uh, oh, once once they get into the layer, once they get into the layer. But even at the beginning of the film, when the guy gets the um, the chainsaw to the head, the driver. Mm. Uh, jackass number one yes <laughs> you know he loses part of his head and i mean it's good acting on his part because he's just like reaching his head and he looks like he's got like a migraine and you just see the blood spurting and like oh that's tom savini written all over it oh yeah and also i don't want to sound mean to the actors who are playing you know the the two teenage assholes because they're playing a good role like they're acting the part of being yeah. obnoxious it's just, i don't know their names i didn't even know their names until you said you know oh, that's rick and that's I'm like really i <laughs> joke's on you i cheated i used wikipedia for this ah. but it's it's just weird because in this sequence it becomes so obvious that we're this is a completely different leather face this yeah. is a completely different character and it's a completely different like tone and feel than the first movie and with other franchises it doesn't feel that apparent I mean, granted, I think all these slasher franchises, usually each movie or each subsequent movie gets a little goofier. They just yeah. turn the dial up as they go along. Absolutely. It's like you got to add a little bit of comedic relief versus the original films where it's just like, oh, man, I'm so uncomfortable or I'm afraid or, you know, what's going to happen next? And then the next ones, it's like, OK, you know, we might get some good jump scares, some good kills, but it's going to be more on the funny side. I got a question for you. Do you think that's the fate of all um, slasher franchises? I th I think so. Because, I mean, look at Freddy. Freddy's terrifying in the first uh, Friday, or not Freddy, Nightmare on Elm Street film. And then the rest, he's a comedian. Yeah, by the third movie, he is cracking a lot of jokes. Yeah. I think, actually, I think the third movie is probably the tipping point of the series. Where it's still like it still has a good balance of like funny and scary, but then it's like four and five are leaning a lot more in Freddy as a pop culture figure, and, and then he's we goofy. get and we get Freddy versus Jason later on, where it's yeah. just like okay, this isn't scary at all. This is just how can these two slasher icons beat the crap out of each other for two hours? Yeah, and I mean, it screams a whole different beast because mm -hmm. um, it has a lot of even the original it, it, film has oh, comedy yeah, written into it. You can even say like the Scream films are way more like satire comedies mm -hmm. and parody than actually horror movies. Yeah. It's got, you know, horrific elements to it. It does have, you know, some legitimate kills, scares. Legitimate scares, yeah, but from, you know, movie one, there's a lot of, you know, comedy written into it. Live her alone, live her alone. And yeah. it's just like but yeah, I feel like this movie is kind of going with that trope of the franchise where, okay, now we're going to do a lot of more slapstick comedy and some kills as we go. Which, judging by the first film, since we watched it just last week, yeah, did you feel that? 
did you feel that, oh, this is a natural progression of it'll just now be this funny? No, it was just like, oh, I thought it was going to be scary, like the first film. And I was just like, this is not scary at all. Apart from the the chainsaw to the, the lower region. That unnerving. Unnerving. That was pretty much it. And when he comes out of uh, that room. Oh, yeah. When he comes out of the music vault. Yeah, I'm like, okay, there we go. But the rest of it's just like, okay. Like, that's, a cool, that's a real cool effect, bro. Like, we're just gonna roll with it for the, the next hour and a half. Yeah. And it, it's just the thing that this sequence, because it's like, when they're in the radio station, it's like, oh, great performance by Bill Mosley. Mm-hmm. Shop top, instant horror icon. Yep. Leatherface, great jump scare. Oh, okay, we're, we, we got it. We got, we got Toby Hooper with, like, a bigger budget, working with his, with his, like, calling card. Okay, we're we're in, mm-hmm. and then it leads into the into the really weird stuff. Yeah, which is like that doesn't work, and then it goes right because mm-hmm. after this, the they s- kill LG, which is like the disc um, stretches like uh, engineer. I mean, it takes LG to die. <laughs> Long after he's been killed originally. Yes. They kill him in the radio station and then they take him to the lair. By beating him over the head with a ball-peen hammer Mm -hmm. for like 10 minutes. And then, you know, Stretch is in there because she's, you know, following up. She doesn't want to be a shock jock forever. She's got to do something, you know. She was the Gale Weathers of the 80s. So she's out there. She wanted to get this done. She had to get the story. So she goes and she ends up in the lair and LG, even after being killed and having his face being oh. uh, cut off of his own face. We gotta talk about the lair. Like, we will. He still manages to get up. He's missing pieces of his shin, his rib. And he's just like, oh, come here, girl. Let me, you know, cut those ropes off of you. You know, I always loved you. Oh, shit, I'm dying. Okay, well, goodbye. And it's just like, how did you manage them cutting the meat off your bones? They cut your face off. This was written... <laughs> By a third grader. I was like, my God. They, and then him, you know, that realization screams. when he's dying, he's like, it's like he's looking off and he's like, oh, shit. And then he goes. So it's just like, bruh, this, come on. It it feels like that was written because th- that was written because, oh, I wrote myself in a corner. I can't get out of this. Okay, LG comes back to life. But, okay, because uh, they take, they kill LG, they think they kill LG, and they take him to their lair. And Stretch is like, well, I gotta follow him. They'll disappear into the night if I if I yeah. don't know where they're going. And right when she leaves, that's when Lefty finally arrives to the police, to the radio station. Because mm-hmm. he was supposed to be there. Earlier. Earlier, like right when she played the, the tape that drew in the killers, and he was gonna be there to catch them. Mm-hmm. But obviously he spent too much time jerking off or training with his chainsaws i don't no one really knows and he it, follows it was her. probably chainsaw training yeah and he follows her and they get to the matterhorn the yes. fucking matterhorn in like in the middle of bumfuck texas it's yeah. this giant amusement park for like american heroes because they have like a sailor and a soldier, you know, these big you know kind of like displays as you're going into a theme park yeah and it's just like what the hell is this? But it's an abandoned theme park that's underground. Yeah. Because they get in and they like roll in their truck into the into the cave or like the, the, the tunnels. The system. tunnel, the ride, right? Yeah. And Stretch is trying to follow them, but she falls through one of the trap doors 
I I guess like a service trapdoor and it and it throws her into the catacombs, right? And the inside of the of the Leatherface layer is super cool. Like yeah. the production design here is really good. Yeah. Everything looks so creepy. All the, the like you can tell it's like, oh, where does the the ride begin and where does the bones and start and it's all and it's weird kind of and goofy and crazy. And it kind of looks like a carnival because there's they have the strung up lights everywhere. Mm-hmm. And it kind of gave me like it vibes. I I was getting Rob Zombie vibes. Mm, that too. Yeah. But I, I see where you're coming from. Like, um are you talking about the it the new ones or are you talking about the nineties, the, old... the the miniseries. Mm I, I really yeah, I was getting like the the tunnel with like the lights. Oh, when he's like okay. the the death lights are moving through the tunnels. It was I was kind of getting that vibe. I get you. The I mean the caverns for this do look like the caverns for, from it. I ain't yeah. gonna lie. They might have used the same set. Could have. But it's so fucking weird. And creepy. It's like, yeah, I wouldn't want to be down there. Uh you've got body parts hanging. You've just got random bodies laying everywhere. And the cook is all like so excited and he is he is now the court jester. If yeah. he was like the the reluctant serial killer in the first film who, you know, oh, you know, we're doing this cuz we got to, you know, I don't like killing people, but oh, we got to we got to make a living somehow. Now he's so gleeful. He's like, "Well, I can turn a profit selling human meat on the open market." Ooh, buddy. And he's very pressed for time cuz they got to get the meat ready for the big football game. Yes, which is another thing like because the first one, it's obvious the families the families eating it for themselves and they're selling it at like their the gas station, right? Yeah. Be for one reason or the other. But this one, I'm like, okay, this isn't like he's trying to lay low and sell it at the gas station. This is like, I'll be the Gordon Ramsay of Texas. Ooh, <laughs> shit! They're gonna he the real looked, Hell's Kitchen. The real Hell's Kitchen, exactly. He looks at Sally and you know she's fucking raw. Mm. It's uh, it's what great. are you? An idiot sandwich. Uh, is that your favorite line? That's from... going to be one of my favorite lines, yeah. I loved watching Hell's Kitchen. My favorite was Hotel Hell, though. Oh, yeah. If if anyone wants to just watch Gordon Ramsay just lose his shit, like, Hotel Hell is the best way to do it. Oh, yeah. I mean, any show with Gordon Ramsay is amazing. I love him, but, yeah, Hotel Hell, uh, Hell's Kitchen... Uh, What's the one where he goes and he, like, fixes... Kitchen Nightmares. Kitchen Nightmares, yeah. I mean, you get some real drama on Kitchen Nightmares because he's fighting with families that are having an issue already. Mm-hmm. And they get mad at him and it's like, well, bro, you caused this problem and he's here trying to help you, so why are you getting pissed off at him? There are so many of those places from Kitchen Nightmares that are within 10 minutes of where we record right now. Oh yeah. There's it, the it, Italian place that's by like Knott's Berry Farm. Yeah. That one I was I, I've actually been to that before. Like yeah, before you? it was the show. Really? Yes. That I did years and years and years huh. ago. But now we don't want no none of this, you know, cooks, barbecue, uh football game, chili, whatever he's going to be bringing to the game. Yeah, cuz I mean, let alone we get to see him in the chili contest earlier in the movie. Mm-hmm. And that woman bites down on like what is it, human bone? Or... She he, she's like, mm, what's this? And he's like, oh, that's an uncracked peppercorn, darling. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, a human tooth. Yeah. Which it process your meats better? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. But from that one scene, because I'm like, 
it's already gross that he's, you know, giving it to other people to try and they're eating, you know, human meat. I was more impressed with LG's french fry house that he built yeah that's like at the beginning of the movie when we're still doing like setup for everybody we're still trying to figure everything out yeah and because that's like within the first 10 minutes of the movie yeah. and he has this giant like french fry cabin built on the on the table and he has like a tower of like what is what what even is it it looks like um fried pickles that he's putting a capstone of, of honey mustard on the top of I don't remember that, but I, I was paying attention to the structure of the cabin. He even built a fireplace. The man was talented. He was. I mean, he managed to die and still, you know, come back to life to help out Stretch and then die again. Yeah. Ah, it makes sense. Also, LG, he was in the first one. Who he, was he in the first one? Crew. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I found I found that out when I was doing research. He was part of the crew, and I think... I wonder if that's why Toby Hoover was like, he gets one more go, because he survived the first one. If you can survive the first Texas Chainsaw, yeah. you can survive anything. I mean, you know, let alone, you know, dying and coming back to life and then dying again in this movie, but surviving the making of the first film, yeah, I would give you a, an acting credit in the next one. True star. So, we have Stretch, and she's down in the in the bowels, cave, in the cave. Whatever. Leatherface discovers her, and he's like trying to hide her or help her by putting LG's face on her and then dancing with her. And then puts LG's hat on her and then they dance, you know, under the lights in the cave. And I'm just like, what the fuck is going on? This Leatherface is, is in love. He, Yeah, he's in love. But I'm just like, this is so not Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I'm like, what is this? It's it's a love story. It's and then the he like, 80s. And then he has to leave, so he ties her up. And that uh, this is... This is one of the most, like, disturbing parts of the movie, because she's just there, and she is, like, like so just distraught. She is, like, slow sobbing, mm-hmm. like, full chest sobbing, and she has the face of her, like, best friend on. Yeah. And this hat, and she can't, like, reach her hands up to take it off, and it is so uncomfortable. It's so gross. It's so gross. But then LG comes back to life, because deus ex machina, and he frees her. And I like that she knows that it's LG because he spits. The character traits. I was just know? like, she, was, she sees him spit, and she's like, LG, it's you! Couldn't be anything like, hey, Stretch, it's me, LG. She's like, oh. That's <laughs> LG. The only man I know who will chew even in death. Yep. And while this is going on, Dennis Hopper shows up, and he is... He's got his chainsaw going. He's like, I'll get you, you some bitches. And starts chainsawing down the amusement, like the mountain thing they're in. It, it's the supports. He's going after every support. So it eventually collapses on them. But I'm like, bruh, you know, she's in there. You got to save the girl. And he's like, no, nope, we're just going to go run around, well, chainsaw everything down. Uh, it, it's almost like he has that like captain ahab mentality yeah where it doesn't matter you know the the people around me as long as i achieve my goal but it's almost it's out of left field because he is not like this for the first half of the movie no it's like we have two different characters yeah and he gets the chain and yeah we have the chainsaw scene where it's supposed to be like oh he's gonna he's getting ready to fight them on their terms but bro you're a you're a texas lawman (laughs) 
I guarantee you got like four guns strapped on just your ankles. You would think, but I mean, I think maybe he finally loses it once he finds Franklin yeah. in the lair. Which, cool cameo, but weird. <laughs> why is, why did they take Frank, why is Franklin there? Why is that flashlight still working 14 years later? I'm like, was that Duracell, to, that's why. I guess, I mean, was that supposed to be like Franklin's spirit? Like, yep, this is me. Okay, kill the light on the flashlight. Oh, like, was God. that a sign? It's it's so weird. And the fact that they still have him sitting in the wheelchair. They didn't They didn't be like, oh, that's a fat boy. Let's get him off the wheelchair and cook him up right good. You know, you use the wheelchair for something else or ditch it because, you know, that's evidence? one more thing. Well, no, not even evidence. You know, use it for grandpa because they wheel grandpa back and forth. Give him something <sighs> modern. Which, by the way, grandpa still alive and well in this at... At, what did they say, 137 years old? Did they? Yes. So. I was just like, how old is this guy? And now you could tell it's like a rubber mask. He, again, this is weird because it's a Tom Savini joint and mm-hmm. he is like a master of effects, especially yes. at this point in his in his career. Like Dawn of the Dead puts him on the map. Yeah. He does um, Friday the 13th, which is like a, a next level it's basically why the Friday the 13th movies became so popular so quick because oh, their yeah. effects were better than everybody else on the market. And 19... What is this? 84? 86? 86. 1986. Height of his powers. And, like, the grandpa mask, I can see where he's going for, what he's going for because it's kind of like the old man makeup in Amadeus. Mm-hmm. But it's, like, it's too rubbery? Yeah, it looked like an actual Halloween mask, which... It might have been a thing with, hey, we had this problem in the first film, you know, the actor didn't want to apply it, so maybe if we create a mask that we could pull over the actor's head. And then we come in and touch it up and tighten it in. Yeah, it it might be a little bit easier than having to sit there, you know, for five, six hours with the actor and applying it and another five, six hours taking all the makeup off. That that makes sense. Like, that's not out of the realm of possibility Mm -hmm. because the first film, the actor who played Grandpa... Just refused to put the makeup on again because it was so uncomfortable and so difficult to 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 actually utilize. Yeah. So that would make sense if they if Toby Hooper made a point like whatever you do with the grandpa makeup, make it piss easy for yeah. the actor to be in and out of. Yeah, because we don't see grandpa till the climax of the movie when they capture Stretch because she like tries to escape, but they catch her, and then yeah. they recreate they... the the dinner from the first movie. Oh my god, this is. This is bad. Yeah. The dinner sequence in the first movie is, you would argue, one of the best horror sequences in cinema. Oh, yeah, it's horrifying. And in this one, it is the most, like... Cheese. Yeah, it's bad, because they're trying to do the same thing, but, like, Chop Top has, like, the the hitchhiker puppet, Mm -hmm. and he's acting kind of like a jackass. Yeah. Like, Cook Sawyer, or the cook, is kind of ranting and raving like he just got finished doing a line of coke and watching some youtube and then leatherface is you know pining but also worried that they're gonna kill my girl well i need my girl and then the cook is like he leatherface wants that x-e-x girl but he knows that the saw is family and it is so so fucking weird and then they're gonna and then obviously they're like, well, granddad, he's going to kill you because he's the best killer in the world. And his 137 year old ass, which would make him the oldest human being to have ever lived. Yeah. 
is like gonna you know kill her but it's the same thing as the first one he keeps dropping the hammer and then he accidentally and then he finally whacks her like one good time and then that's when dennis hopper comes back in and then doesn't cook hit her another time or is it chop chop i don't know one of them does it might be cook yeah because i think he really gets her in the back of the head yeah and it's supposed to be like oh she's gone like it's it's finally gonna happen mm-hmm. and then lefty comes in it's a chainsaw battle and he's where, like, run, sister, run, and you know. And she's like, I'm getting the fuck out of here. Yeah. And then Chop Top chases after Stretch. Mm-hmm. Leatherface is engaged with a death-defying Arrow Flynn-esque yes. uh, chainsaw fight. Believe me, that didn't go past me. I'm like, wow, we have jumped back to the Arrow Flynn days. I'm like, this movie they're, is going everywhere. They're on the table. They're jumping <laughs> around. There's a, there's a flips going on here. And like the cook, he got he got got in the ass by, <laughs> by, the, by chainsaw. the chainsaw. So he's underneath the 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 table, like soliloquying. He's like, yes. "What's come of this country where a man can't open up his own human meat farm and live inside of an amusement park like some evil carny?" They really carved my turkey. I think his soliloquy <laughs> was my favorite of that scene. Oh, even God. though you got the two guys chainsaw fighting but him you know they really burnt my biscuits and they buttered my beans so i was just sitting there laughing at the ridiculousness and he's like oh i'm really gonna have to go to a hospital for this (laughs) i i love this sequence so much because it is you can tell they put so much work into this movie this is where all the money went yeah but you can also tell how like still cheap it is because you can tell where dennis hopper is and then his stunt double yeah because they don't even try his stunt double has jet black hair and is a foot taller than Dennis Hopper. Well, I mean, let alone, you know, spoiler, uh, Leatherface gets impaled with Dennis Hopper's uh, chainsaw multiple times. And I'm yes. thinking, I'm like, well, we've got multiple movies after this. How is Leatherface going to survive that? From the grenade. <sighs> Because also, yeah, the cook is like, well, this is my exit strategy. Come here, Nubbins, which is the name of the hitchhiker. Yeah. Pulls down the hitchhiker, Nubbins, <laughs> Nubbins which you can tell is obviously like a like a crash test dummy with a rubber mask on. Yeah. He pulls the grenade out and he pulls the pin and the grenade goes off. And it's like implied, oh, it's killed all three of them, but you don't see it. because Well, and Grandpa too, because Grandpa's down there. And Grandpa too. And then it's just a battle between Stretch... And Chop Top. As they go up the Matterhorn. As they go up to the tippity top of the Matterhorn. And who is at the tippity top of the Matterhorn? The final boss. Grandma. Grandma. Who has a chainsaw on her lap and is in like this grand display who also is a ginormous person. Yeah, because Grandma in the first movie looked a lot like... um... Norma Bates in the first Psycho. Where yeah, she's it's just skeleton. Skeleton. That's why I'm like, okay, so like, so was she a skeleton and dead in the first movie, or is she like Grandpa, where you just give her some blood and you know she'll she'll come back she'll around. She'll come back around because she was looking really thin in the first movie, and then this movie, you know, chainsaw on the lap. She's you know pretty she got, heavy. She she's Jabba the Hut fat. I wouldn't say that fat, but she's pretty heavy, and I'm just like. You can chop up, you know, don't be taking that from my grandma. You killed grandma. And I'm just like, what the fuck is going on? I mean, we've gotten to this point, but what the actual fuck? Yes. And, and also like stretch gets grandma's chance on. She's trying to start it. And chop top is like, you bitch. Ah, and he's just slashing her on the back with, with, a, a, with a barber's, uh, his straight razor. Like, yeah. And he's just going for it. And I'm like, chop top, 
bro, you know how you cut your own neck three times before this fight started? Mm-hmm. You know how you can do that to her once and it's over? Mm-hmm. This movie could be over right now. Yep. And it's not over because of you. And then she turns on the chainsaw. And she she gets Chop Top. Chop, sends Chop Top down straight to Matterhorn. Straight to hell. Straight into the tunnel. Like, good aim. Great aim. Salt. She'd be a skee-ball champion. Yeah. And then she does... <laughs> What does she do? She picks up the chainsaw and she, on top of the Matterhorn, she's just doing uh, basically the leather face. You know, Rah! like he's a fucking. What, what are they? The fucking um. Uh, uh, the the Tuscan Raiders from the Star Tus- Wars. She's doing the Tuscan Raider dance, and she starts spinning around. She's doing the leather face dance at the top of the fucking Matterhorn. And it is. And at that moment, the credits hit, and I was just like, "What was that?" Right? Oh my god. Okay, like. This movie, what the actual fuck, right? That should be on the box. <laughs> oh, okay. It, it, is this even close to the first no. one? No. Like, not even a little bit. Like, this feels like a different movie. Yeah, this isn't the same as the first different one. different franchise, but, you know. Not, it doesn't feel like the same universe apart from, you know, oh, yeah, you know, the, the things of the past and blah, 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 and they never caught these people, but it's just like... I can't see how they would evolve from being a cannibalistic family into the street, the three stooges turn cannibal. It's like, it doesn't make sense how that would happen. They go from being this like really weird hills have eyes as cannibal family to like, like just deranged carnies. Mm-hmm. I've heard, like, Rob Zombie says he gets a lot of inspiration from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. He's a huge fan of the of the that film. The original or this of, one? Of the original. Okay. But I have assumptions that I think he really, really likes t- this one. He likes Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Because this is, like, I can see a lot of this movie's influence on, like, Rob Zombie's work. The really garish, crazy people who have a lot of, like, weird rantings mm-hmm. and, like, not to be rude, but the... The, the white trash aesthetic of these crazy carnies or hillbillies. Mm-hmm. But, like, even, like, Rob Zombie's movies are, like, at least watchable. This is weird. The, I don't know. This feels, again, like... like weird? A, a weird, yeah. Because, okay, I think we've... We talked about this beforehand, right? Yeah. Is this movie good? No, right? No. We can agree it's not good. No. But did you hate it? I didn't hate it. You didn't hate it? I didn't hate it. Okay. I mean, I'd be very, you know, blunt and be like, no, this was a fucking waste of time. I hated it. Like, no, I didn't hate it. I don't love it. I'm like kind of liking it because I could see how this would be a cult movie. Yeah. But this just doesn't feel like Texas Chainsaw. This feels like a random 80s horror movie that's... But, more, like, got the rights to the name, right? Yeah, where it's, like, it's more funny than scary. And it's, like, okay, you know, I could get behind a movie like that. But this is just, like, this doesn't feel authentic like the first movie. Yeah, because I think I'm in the same boat as you. It might sound like I, I really don't like the movie. I, that's not true. I actually kind of like it. Mm-hmm. But I like it on its own terms. Yeah. But even on its own terms, it's not a good movie. No. It's it's one of those things where the characters don't make a lot of sense. The plot is playing real fast and loose. Things are happening, but they don't really... They don't correlate 100% with, with what has come before it. Yeah. The set design and the effects are really good. Yeah. 
Uh, don't be wrong. All the gore effects are great in this. Com- compared to the first one, which had almost no gore effects, almost no mm-hmm. blood, this one goes in the opposite direction. This is all gore. This is all blood. But it's, it's also a different decade. And it's a whole different decade. Mm-hmm. And it's it's like this movie is so interesting as a subject of of uh, film history. Yeah. But I, it's a bad movie, but I don't hate it. Like, this is a fun movie. Yeah. I can turn my brain off and enjoy it, but if it if my brain chimes in a, even a little bit, I am so, so out of it. Yeah, that's kind of how I felt, too. I mean, I had to put the phone down and just, like, what is actually happening? Because this is just so all over the place. Looney Tunes on acid. Uh, <laughs> that's a gr- good way to describe it. Looney Tunes on acid. That's how it felt. But, uh... Yeah, I'm I'm sticking with the original film. So we haven't shaken you from that. No, we have not shaken me from that. Uh, not what I was expecting. I did read that I think an early concept for the second film was going to be that the family Leatherface's family moved into like a cannibalistic town. Yeah, and I they heard would, that you know, too. Be kind of like drawing people in, and then you know, basically fresh meat. And I'm like, okay, that kind of sounds like the, um, what is it, like the early 2000s House of Wax where they come into the town and everything's, you know, wax figures and then, you know, the people that make them, you know, they finally appear and they attack them. So I'm like, okay, I'm like, that kind of sounds like the same concept, kind of cool. Yeah. And this one, this is just like straight out of left field. What What's going on? I'm like, what? Yeah. And I mean, like, I don't want to disparage anybody who like put a lot of effort and time and work into this. Yeah. But the screenwriter for this, um, again, his, uh, L.M. Kit Carson, y- you can look at his, like, filmography. He does not really have a lot of credits, to be honest. Like, he stopped working in about 2001. I really think that this is his... Magnum opus? Uh, maybe. Well, I don't, I don't think it's his magnum opus. I think this is probably, like... I I wanted to be attached to a franchise yeah. kind of script, and he just turned in something. This feels like a like a concept first draft. It's a first draft with just a couple of scenes that he thinks is going to be cool, and he has not smoothed them over into a cohesive film yet. Yeah, but that's Texas Chainsaw Massacre too. That was so. That means that next week we're watching. We're watching. Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3, which is uh, going to be interesting, because would you like to know who is one of the stars in this film? Uh, yeah, tell me. Vigo Mortensen. Really? Aragorn. Wow. Son of Arathorn. Okay, Defender Vigo. of Rohan. King of Gondor. Yes. Uh, this is going to be gonna be a lot of fun. I'm pretty sure Vigo Mortensen's in this one. He's either in this one or he's in the fourth one. Yeah, no, yeah, that's Viggo Mortensen, right in the back of the box. I can see him. Also, Ken Foray's in this. Okay. You know, Dawn of the Dead fame. Great actor. Yeah. I'm going to be excited to show you this one, because this is when they were like, so, two, wrong direction. Let's, let's try a more back-to-basics approach. But then they neglected to watch the first movie when they decided to get a back-to-basics approach. Ah, is, one of those, okay. It's going to be great. I love showing you these movies, by the way. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Uh, 
I was gonna say I can't wait to watch, but I can wait to watch it. You, you can wait. <laughs> I'll, wait. I'll wait not till next week to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but if anybody else wanted to show up and listen to us as we wax philosophical about uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre Three, Leatherface, where can they go? Uh, well, if you want to listen to us on a different platform than you currently are, you can find us on Anchor FM, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. Yes, you can go to our YouTube channel, The Film Vault. That's The Film Vault on YouTube. We are uh, uploading videos right now, and we're trying to keep that as consistent as possible. Come and support us, subscribe, comment, like, like. do what you do. And if you want to follow us on social media, you can find us on Instagram at the Film Club Podcast, where we post upcoming movies that we're going to review events that we go to trivia and other fun things and with that miss boo we'll see you next week at the film club have a good week everybody